Welcome to the Yellow Balloons podcast. The beginning of any new endeavor can be challenging. There are unique practices, new language, and so many questions about the way things are supposed to work. This newness can be tricky to navigate and sometimes downright frustrating. In this series, we'll focus on addressing questions that people who are new to Christianity or are just starting to engage with scripture might have. We hope these conversations will inspire and encourage you to more fully participate in the kingdom of God. Whether you're a new Christian, an experienced one, or not a believer at all, you likely have some questions about the authenticity of the Bible. How can something written so long ago be applicable today? Has it changed throughout the thousands of years it's existed? Can scripture really help with what I'm going through? In this episode, we talk through the essential task of the Bible, which is describing reality as it is. One of the reasons for its supernatural staying power is that it speaks to the very heart of the human experience. You know, the Bible was written over a period of what, Joey, 1,500 years or so by 60-some authors. And one of the amazing things to me about the Bible that has kind of come to a level of somewhat astonishment is it all has the same voice to me. I can pick up another book that was written by that era, even books like the Book of Enoch that is quoted in Jude, and it's just a different voice. So from my standpoint, it's actually God speaking through people, and the Bible says this of itself. It's God speaking through people in stories and in circumstances. And so if, if, God, if God's different, then it wouldn't be relevant. If God's the same, then it would still be relevant. So that to me is the big question, is God the same or not? And of course Hebrews says he's the same. Uh, so now that then morphs to the question of, well, is God the same in the Old Testament as the New Testament? And absolutely. There's the, the, the basic way God has dealt, dealt with Adam and Eve and Abraham and Abraham's family and Israel and people in the New Testament area and people today, it's always been the same. He accepts people by love and grace and gives them acceptance for those who believe, and he then gives clear consequences of, now you choose, I wanna make clear to you that you have what your choice of what a good choice and a bad choice is, which is basically just what good parenting is. If you're a good parent, you wanna, you can't, if you try to control your kids, you know you're gonna ruin them. But if they grow up knowing the difference between good and bad choices, and then you let them go, you did your job. So one of the things I struggled with, and and this is especially true in the Old Testament, but in the New Testament as well, when I started reading, is you're reading stories about people from thousands of years ago, and the culture is very different, radically different, right? So you've got uh, polygamy going on in the Old Testament. You have total warfare going on where God says, kill all of them, right? Men, women, children, animals, everything. Mm some pretty horrifying stuff from a modern perspective. And women have a particular place in society that's different from women in society today. 
so it's culturally, it seems it's a little bit shocking, to be honest with you, when you first dig in. And so I think that's where this question comes from. How is this relevant to me? And this is, even assuming it's God speaking, it's God speaking to very different people in very different circumstances at a very different time. And so I struggle with that in the beginning. And what I came around to is if I read the stories in the Bible for the principles behind the stories, instead of, well, what's the, that character's particular circumstance, right? What's Job's particular circumstance? You know, Job is sitting outside the village and he's wearing uh, burlap sackcloth yeah. and he's throwing ash on his head yeah. and thinking, that's, that's weird. weird stuff. Yeah. What were his circumstances and what are the principles that are being demonstrated there, right? And I started to look at stories from, okay, what's the principle instead of what's the actual person doing or saying? And I realized that everything that I experience in my own life is represented in the Bible, that there really is nothing new. So no matter what I'm going through, if I'm going through betrayal by a friend, if I'm going through a time in my life when I'm in the valley of despair, I'm experiencing death of a loved one, all of those circumstances take place in the Bible. Yeah, the time and place is different, the context is different, but the human experience remains the same. And so I think the guidance provided by Scripture is the same because we're humans. Human nature is human nature. That hasn't changed. And the way God speaks to humans because of our nature has not changed. So for me it was don't get so fixated on what the exact story is. What's the underlying principle or what's the story trying to teach us? Yeah, I think I do something similar but different. Um, I try to take those circumstances in addition to what you said, the principles behind it, uh, but also like, okay, how can I bring those circumstances into today? I, I, I have not found any instances so far that I can't see a, a corollary right. that, of something today. Like for example, and this is a tough, tough thing, like uh, wipe out the men, women, children. Well, in World War II, we did that when we bombed German cities. Right. And we say... Or we dropped the atomic bomb. And we dropped the atomic bomb because there was a greater good. Right. And we said, well, well there was a greater good because Hitler was really bad. Look at what Hitler was doing. Well, these cultures were like murdering children in order as, a, as an object of worship. And so what, what we find ourselves in the position of doing is saying, well, based on what I know, I can justify what we did. But based on what I know of that back then, I can't justify what God said. It's a little presumptuous, right? <laughs> a, a little lot. presumptuous. Yeah. Like, I, I know in my culture I have knowledge to say it's okay, but back then it must not have been okay. But, well, really? I mean, really? And, and furthermore, he gave those people 400 years to repent. He said, like, their, their iniquity is not yet full. And so, well, does God know what a greater good is? Or do only I know what the greater good is? So, so, so far, I haven't found any circumstances that I can't say, look, I, both I can learn from the circumstance and really there's a form of what we do that we do that same thing in our, yeah. in our society as well. Yeah, I think for me with this question, there's a couple of things that are at play. The, the first is, um, I, I think it's a real testament just to Scripture uh, that it's, you know, the Bible is the biggest selling book of all time, that it, like, there's never been a generation that hasn't felt like this 
had some application to their daily life. There hasn't been a generation that's just like, you know, this doesn't seem to, to jive. And I think the reason for that is because what the Bible is doing is laying out the foundation of reality. And it's, it, has to have, it has to have some context. It has to have some historical setting in order to do that. But it is speaking to these deeper foundational truths. And maybe this is an oversimplification, but you know, things like gravity are not going to change. Things like if you, you know, love somebody that you're in relationship with, if you're kind to them, they're, gonna, they're more likely to be kind back to you. Those are just like, uh, that's just describing how reality is. Those aren't contextual. Right. You maybe need a context to, to bring that to life and to make that point, but the deeper truth is the deeper truth, and that is something that's gonna transcend time and cultural culture and setting. And I think your point, Tim, is, is absolutely right. We like, we read so much like backwards from our own culture perspective, not understanding that that comes with so much baggage and so much bias and, and causes us to you know, unfairly be able to justify where we are today and be sometimes unfairly harsh to, uh, to what we're looking, we're looking back on. Or looking at other cultures and say, you know, it, or even other people. You know, I, I do this and I self-justify that, but they do the same thing in a different package, but that's not acceptable to me. Yeah, you know, one of my favorite example about this, we've traveled all over the world and we would be in Africa and they would say, all right, we'll meet you at 10 o'clock in the morning. 10 o'clock in the morning came, nobody there. 11 o'clock in the morning, nobody there. 12 o'clock, if they're early, they showed up, right? And it would drive us crazy. And there's this feeling as Westerners of like, you're not they respecting my just yeah. are so yeah. mm -hmm. like rude about this. They don't care about mm -hmm. us. They don't care about honoring time. It's just such a, mm -hmm. it's so inefficient. And you get all these rationalizations. And we finally had a local pastor in Uganda explain to us uh, the way that, that they view time. And he said, you know, in, in American culture, you, time is money. You know, you've got to have everything. Everything is uh got to be like time is a time is a resource that's disappearing and mm -hmm. so you've got to make the most of it every chance you get he's like in africa we view time as a never-ending resource there's always another minute there's always another day so if i'm on my way to meet mark at 10 and i meet uh tim along the way well i can have that conversation and i'm going to see the opportunity mm -hmm. for what it's worth right now because there will be a, more time for Mark later on. It's not an either-or proposition. And that was really huge for me to help understand, like, oh, my gosh, it's not just that they're doing this wrong. It's that we have a different kind of mindset. Yeah, you know, as, as I've gone through life's travails since becoming a Christian, I'll often ask you or somebody else, I got this thing going on in my life. I'm trying to figure something out. Where is that in Scripture? And so I think one of the tools that new Christians can use is go to other Christians you know, or even online, right? And if you just put in a search engine, what you're going, is there anything in the Bible about business conflict? Is there anything in the Bible about, uh, you know, stereotypical loss of a loved one, broken heart, all that? If you do that, it'll point you at Scripture. And I think the most amazing thing, and I think this is really important if you're a new Christian, is to understand that the Bible is actually a resource for you. Mm -hmm. And it is the resource and it's absolutely incredible. I've not run into anything that I'm experiencing in my own life or where I'm trying to advise somebody else that I can't find guidance in the Bible. It is the whole of human experience in a single document, which is incredible. 
Well, it's God's voice, and we experience this a lot with the Yellow Balloons devotional. Uh, I, I hear this all the time. I'm sure you do as well. People say, it seems like it always speaks just to what I needed that day. <laughs> well, that makes perfect sense because it's God's voice, and God populates all knowledge in all areas. Right. So actually, the Bible can speak to us in a multidimensional way to any any situation we have through any story we hear. Right. It's uh, it's supernatural in that respect. And so is it relevant? The answer is yeah, absolutely. It's incredibly relevant. Now another a related question is is it reliable? And um, there's a is it is it case for Christ that Lee Strobel does that? Yes, in? case for Christ. Yeah. They're a great resource for, for these kinds of questions, but kind of in a nutshell, we have more uh, textual evidence for the reliability of the Bible by an order of many order of magnitudes than any other piece of literature, ancient literature. So, um, you know, yeah, the term for that is historicity. Okay. Is it historically accurate? And because I'm a lawyer and a skeptic by nature, uh, Lee Strobel's book was important to me. And I would say, mm -hmm. if you're seeking, I, I highly recommend the book. Strobel was a journalist, investigative journalist and a lawyer. And he decided he was going to prove that God was not real. Mm -hmm. His wife was, had been a person of faith, had drifted from faith, become an atheist and was moving back towards faith. He was really angry about it. And so he was going to prove to her how stupid all this was. And so he used all the tools of an investigative journalist, all the tools of a lawyer to build the case that the idea of a, of a God, an all-knowing, all-powerful God was ridiculous. Mm -hmm. And in the end, he be, he's ultimately becomes a believer because he can't do it and he's convinced. Well, one of the things he goes through is, is the Bible historically accurate? And step by step he goes through, you, you mentioned in one of our other segments that if you look at the apostles, they present themselves as idiots. Mm -hmm. and. And what, what we mean by that when they say they present themselves as idiots is they lay out all their foibles for all of history to see. I didn't understand. You know, they're walking down the road. They're arguing about who will sit at the right hand of God. And Jesus walks up and asks what they're talking about. And they basically say, nothing. We're not talking about anything. What do you mean? But they know, they believe that they're talking to God. And they're so silly that they lie to him, right? <laughs> and, and so what's so interesting about that historically, going to historicity, is all the other writings of that era, anybody who wrote about themselves or had a book written about them, which is mostly how it was done, you know, they had the court historian or whatever, it was Tim Dunn, the greatest ruler ever to live, yeah, oh never yeah. made a bad decision, mm -hmm. the smartest guy, the most handsome guy, the best mm -hmm. warrior. Nobody yeah. wrote about, it's not, see, today we're used to this. Mm -hmm. Today people write tell-all books and make millions mm -hmm. of dollars because they write about what idiots they are, <laughs> right? But in the era, in the biblical era, it was exactly the opposite. You, mm -hmm. If you were written about it, it was only in a heroic sense. So that takes the Bible out of the mainstream of literature during the era it was written and says, for some reason, it's completely different. Mm -hmm. It's written in a completely different way. And then every year we discover, archaeologists discover in Israel, biblical sites mm -hmm. that say, wow, this thing in the Bible that we didn't think existed, here it is. Physically mm -hmm. on earth, it still exists. And what they don't discover, and this is very extraordinary historically as well, you don't hear about any discoveries. You're like, well, we discovered this thing and it proves this portion of the Bible is absolutely wrong. Mm -hmm. 
that discovery never happens. Mm -hmm. And so there's all kinds of things that point to the historicity of the Bible. How do I know it's true? It's written by men. And that, I think that's another good question. Like, well, if people wrote it, people are fallible, right? Mm -hmm. And people definitely wrote the Bible. So how come it's not wrong if people wrote it? What, what do you say to that when people ask you that question? Well, the, the scripture says of that, that it's inspired. That it's, it's, and, and interestingly enough, Jesus could have writ, left behind a book, but he chose to write it through people. And I think, I think there's, a, there's a real deliberate picture in that. And arguably, everything in the Bible is picturing right. a, a lot of different things and reality as a whole. But the picture in that is, I, God, am choosing to work through people. Uh, he, he doesn't need us. He's chosen to use us to do his business. And that's our great privilege. In fact, I think we're going to do a session on kind of what's the Bible about. And in kind of short order, it's about us ruling instead of the higher beings, which is the angels, for God's very specifically designed purpose, which we'll talk about. And so he's chosen to work through us to do his purpose. And it's a pretty big deal. So what we're saying is it's, it is accurate. And it is relevant today because it applies to all of humanity through all of time. It'll be relevant 2,000 years from now. And what about translations and what about the difference? You know, you find different transcripts. There's like 1% difference. And I would say, I think, I think God allowed those things to happen because he doesn't want us to worship the book. He wants to worship the principles and the content behind the book. And yes, in translations, things are missed, and you can go in behind it and get more color. Uh, but ultimately, this is a spiritual journey, and, and the New Testament teaches the real teacher is not those words. It's the Holy Spirit. And, the, and it's not the written word. It's not the ultimate word. The living word is the ultimate word, and that's Jesus. So actually, we're actually seeing uh, almost like a shadow of the real thing when we read these words we're actually seeing a shadow of a person and the person behind it is what we're actually going for thanks for listening to the yellow balloons podcast if you want more information on adopting a god-centered perspective visit our website at yellowballoons.net and if you have any questions related to what you just heard we would love to hear from you please email us at contact at yellowballoons.net thanks for listening